So <clears throat> we would have then just one more online witness, Jamie Paquin. Jamie, if you can uh, hear me and turn on your okay. camera. Yep. So we, okay. can't, we can't see you yet. Um, how's that? There we go. And my understanding is you are in Japan today. That's right. Tokyo. Bright and early. So <clears throat> I'm going to ask you to start by uh, stating your full name and then spelling your first and last name for the record. Okay, James Robert Paquin, J-A-M-E-S-P-A-Q-U-I-N. And Jamie, do you promise to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth? Yes, I do. Now, <clears throat> you were in Japan when COVID hit. That's right. And you're there because you run a, an old Canadian wine business in Japan. Yep. Now, can you tell us how the Canadian COVID measures impacted your business? Uh, for our business, we had a lot of logistics problems. So that's the first major hurdle. So shipping uh, containers were extremely expensive. Um, then the inflationary measures that were brought in, uh, also the disruption of supply chains, increased the price of the goods significantly. There were bottle shortages, many wineries um, up their prices significantly. And uh, at the same time, the, the yen to the Canadian dollar dropped dramatically. So we probably ended up in one swoop in a large container order, losing about $50,000 uh, due to those factors. And how did it affect you personally, the Canadian COVID measures? The, the uh, uh, Canadian Charter violating restrictions on travel uh, made it practically impossible to, to go back to Canada. So I haven't seen friends or family since uh, 2019. And uh, as you know, none of this was based on science or uh, previous um, measures to deal with a, a, a virus. So facing fines of up to a million dollars or three years in prisons for violating an absurd two-week quarantine while people with vaccines who were positive for COVID could stroll into the country um, made it really treacherous to, to think to go home. And to, even the financial costs of spending weeks doing that before you could even start a visit made it impractical. So uh, these measures have robbed me of you know, three years of friends and family, and uh, they've also caused huge rifts in family relationships because of the propaganda on the Canadian side that uh, has really damaged a lot of people. Can you share uh, some details about that? Uh, yeah, very early on, you know, I have an academic background, and I also saw that what they were saying didn't make very much sense, so I started following a lot of the academics who were um, producing the data, like the infection fatality rate being lower than influenza. Uh, I knew that the games that were playing with um, uh, classifying COVID deaths based on PCR tests. And uh, I looked at the all-cause mortality rates that weren't increasing in most places. 
Japan had the lowest death rate in 11 years in 2020, actually. Um, and then the Japan side, we weren't subjected to things like bubbles, uh, mandates, travel restrictions, and all of that. So we were living, they, they did implement some sort of disruptions to the restaurant trade, uh, trying to get restaurants not to serve alcohol in the evenings. But these were largely uh, violated. You know, I could go to restaurants packed with people. Um, they closed gyms for about six weeks, but after that, we were all able to go back. So, and, can I just uh, so I'd, probe you a little more, just yeah. to make sure I understand the differences sure. with Japan? So, are you saying they didn't do a general lockdown in Japan? Yep. So they at for about six weeks in March, they they did things like put tape on, you know, uh, play devices at at parks, but you could still use the parks. People were just largely ignoring that. They got people to work from home quite a bit, but, and, uh, but, you know, stores and everything were still open. Um, like I said, the gym was closed for about six weeks and then reopened. Um, and we, my wife and I just traveled domestically. We'd go down to Okinawa, the Southern Islands multiple times. Um, various smaller jurisdictions would, would get worked up and they'd try to get people not to visit, but these things were all largely voluntary. And, uh, so we, we were living in a, a very different sort of world. There's people weren't being yanked out of other people's homes for gatherings and these sorts of insane things. And, um, all the while, like anyone that wanted to could just look at the data and look at these shady practices they, they did with the PCR testing because he was, it was largely a facade, and uh, but I was communicating all these and all the data to friends and family in Canada. But when you're on a 24/7 psychological uh, operation with the media doing the government's bidding, they were basically impervious to facts, just like we've seen with the the argue the arguments about mass formation, psychosis, and this sort of thing. That uh, I could show them the data, but it just bounced right off. And eventually, you know, you have people just, they're just, the cognitive dissonance that they face when you present them with this, they just want to shut down and they refuse to discuss it. So it's a lot of family members I know I'm, I'm going to have trouble with when I go back. So basically, there's some family and friend, family relationships that right now are broken. Uh, yeah, either in, in that zone of where I know if I bring up the topic of COVID, we're going to have issues and they're going to want to retreat from it and um you know and you can tell there's there's a silence on that side because they they suspect that if they do talk with me that it's going to be brought up right so <clears throat> there were no mandates in japan no not nothing that would be remotely close to what was going on in canada and if you look at the uh what's the world uh, data site Interestingly, there's continual gradual increases in COVID deaths um, in the last two years, not in 2020. Uh, with after each booster round, you see these these continual increases in the in the daily death rates. But uh, in 2020, uh, there was virtually no, like I said, the lowest death rate in uh, 11 years in the, in a very elderly society, and uh, and that was without having this sort of severe measures that uh, were imposed on Canadians. We weren't hiding in our basements for a year and a half out of any sort of imposition by the government. 
Right. A lot of masking, a lot of masking, which is still an obsession in Japan because of the conformism here. Even after the government told people a year ago to take them off outside, and then March 11th, they said they're completely voluntary. Um, I haven't worn one for ages, but my gym used to force us until March 1st. And uh, I would put up a fuss there and demand that they show me some data. Um, but that's, that's all about conformism in Japan. People will sit in restaurants for hours uh, in the most tight confines. You can't even find restaurants as, as, you know, as densely packed in Canada as they are commonly here. And people will be there with no masks for hours and then they'll slap one on when they go outside. It's just, uh, it's just a social theater. Okay. <clears throat> I have no further questions for you, but I'll ask if the commissioners have any questions for you. Okay, thanks. And they do not. So, Jamie, we'll let you go on behalf of the National Citizens Inquiry. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Yeah, thanks for your time.